Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Queen Charlotte, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Queen Charlotte, the official podcast, your companion behind the scenes of Shondaland's Bridgerton prequel on Netflix. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and today we're going to have some more fun. With me here, I have Sam Clement, who captured the messy boots confidant to our queen as young Brimsley, and Freddie Dennis, who introduced us to the lost love we didn't know Brimsley had. I'm always jealous that the king's man has far better quarters than the queen's man. To be expected. I am more important than you. In today's episode, we're unlocking key moments from episode two, and we'll be jumping around because it's hard not to when talking about Reynolds and Brimsley's points of view. And yay, we're also getting to know Sam and Freddie a little bit. So uh, Freddie is a geographer, guys. Went to drama school, and then four months later, I'm Reynolds. But it was a pretty terrifying leap. And who knows, maybe I will end up as a geography teacher one day. We'll see. Maybe your next role is a geography teacher in uh, in a blockbuster movie. I think that's what everyone wants to see. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to see. Everybody, live and direct, we have the Brimsley, the Reynolds. We have Sam Clement and Freddie Dennis here. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having us. We're so happy to have you. Hi, Freddie. Hello. Thank you also for having us. It's very exciting. So, wondering if you've seen any of the show yet? Yeah, we've been lucky enough to see all of it. You've seen all of it? Okay. We have, which was initially terrifying, but actually brilliant. And I think we're all very proud. Yeah. It was quite overwhelming watching it all for the first time, I think. So, tell me a little about why it's slightly terrifying for you, Freddie. So, this is my first ever job. So, I have never seen myself on screen. I'm not sure I ever want to see myself on screen again, but it was, uh, I think it was terrifying, <laughs> terrifying for that reason. <laughs> There's a lot of responsibility that comes with joining a, a world that is as beloved as, as Bridgerton. Everyone has been so welcoming and lovely, and it's been nothing but a joy. Sam, you've been on stage, you've been on screen. Is it still a little terrifying for you? How was your experience watching it? Oh, yeah. I think any project I ever do, it's terrifying if it's like first day rehearsals or if it's the first preview of a show or if it's um, if it's the screening of, of the show. I don't think them nerves ever go away. It's always it's just like apprehension going into something <laughs> you put so much so much work into um, and wanting it to be good and wanting people to love it. OK, you've seen the show. Sam, what's your favorite scene so far? Like you have three seconds. Go. Boom. Oh, my favorite scene so far uh, is in episode four with me and Freddie and we're bickering around a table. <laughs> I completely agree. That's too. also my favorite scene. It was the first scene we ever shot together. It was a lot of fun. Hmm. 
Had you already shot scenes from the first three episodes before you got together for this scene in episode four? No, we hadn't. That was your first ever scene, wasn't it, Fred? Yeah, it was, which was brilliant. But we, we got it as a standalone scene. And I think we both read it and went, oh, my God, this is completely brilliant and so funny. And I can't wait to play <laughs> with this. But then there was also an element of going, I, I'm not quite sure I understand the context of this. But then the context it came in mm-hmm. pretty, pretty swiftly before we did shoot it. Mm. So that made the whole experience, again, pretty overwhelming. Overwhelming is my buzzword for today, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> Unpack has been my buzzword, so we're we're in this together. <laughs> Tell me about the table reads, you guys. I, I hear that those are always really fun and ripe with laughter and uh, amusement. And were there any special moments that that register when you think back on those early days? I think my favorite moment was when I stopped shaking from fear. That was probably the best one. <laughs> um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say the other thing is, as, as with all of them things, it's also absolutely terrifying because I don't know if you agree with this, Freddie, but you're like, this is the first time I'm really saying these words out loud to the entire creative team and the rest of the actors, and if I don't do a good job, I'm gonna get fired. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's exa- that is exactly what it feels like, and then you find yourself trying to say your lines. Yeah, I really realised actually during the first table read how funny it is i didn't i didn't realize how oh, so funny funny it was until was until you start hearing everyone's voices and everyone what everyone's bringing to it you're like oh my god this is hilarious this is so much funnier than it than i originally thought it was yes uh, yes i agree it is so funny but it's also a brilliant opportunity to um relax into your relationships with the other actors because uh i think if we had all met first day on set in blenheim palace we would just have been sort of screaming and going oh my god I, 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 how do we cope with this but we had a real opportunity to meet each other and I think it was three or four weeks before wasn't it Sam before we started shooting yeah something um, like that yeah. and that meant we started having a, a rapport and then a, a subsequent friendship I think Sam and I went for some drinks yeah. drinks with Corey in India just to kind of go yeah. oh my god pinch me we're starting this thing uh, and then we started the whole filming process as mates uh, which made it a more fun, but B less intimidating. Yeah. And I think so much easier because you just you, when you're friends with each other, you and you have a, a bit of a chemistry with each other, as, as you know Sam and Freddie and India and Corey. It just makes lifting the scenes off the page a lot easier um, than meeting someone on the day and going, oh, I don't know who you are. Um, okay, let's give it a go. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could work together. I could be useful. I am a patriot. I serve the crown. You cannot take all of this on alone. You are climbing Brimsley. I am not. He is mine. Stay down. So, okay. What's so interesting about that is that's the scene for me where I'm like, oh, there is back backstory between Reynolds and Brimsley. This is a level of passive aggressiveness that people who know each other reach, okay? Love each other. Can you, <laughs> oh, and who love each other. Yes. Tell me the back backstory in your mind of Brimsley and Reynolds. There's so much that's left for viewers to to fill in. What did you think? They've known each other for a very long time. They, We think they would have grown up in the, in the court together, learning what it is to be the right-hand man of uh, serving the king or the queen. And in terms of the power play between the two Reynolds definitely got you know the number one job in serving the king and he's always been very arrogant about yes, that yes he did 
<laughs> and Brimsley fell in just behind with being the, the Queen's man. And they have to look after the one that they are beside. And we're constantly trying to gain information from the other to protect the king or to protect the queen. And so that element of their relationship is a lot of fun to play. But then the more romantic side of things is, you know, they're two people that are very isolated. And the only downtime that they have is with each other. And so they seek a lot of solace in each other and they become each other's emotional support systems. Yeah, I definitely had the thought that Oh, they have chosen each other because they didn't have many other choices. But that's pretty much what we're seeing across this series, too. There's a lot of arrangement and like choosing, choosing to love and choosing to commit. And I think that's across all of the relationships in the series. I think they have to make a choice to love each other. They have a choice whether or not to be together. And that is also a very dangerous choice. But I think that is a testament mm. to how much they clearly l do love each other, despite all the passive aggression and the bickering, which is my favorite thing to play. <laughs> it was so yeah. much fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the power play scenes between the, the two of them are my favorite parts in the whole series, particularly in, the, in episode two, the first scene where we realize they are romantically involved. You know, there, we, there is so much information I'm trying to get from him and he won't give me anything. And that just raises the stakes higher and higher and higher. Right. And then Brimsley sees the young King George in the cellar, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And later yeah, spills three. the beans and Reynolds is so upset. <laughs> you just see Reynolds jump out of bed and he's like, I cannot believe you spilled the beans. You made me almost corpse quite a few times in that scene. You agreed to see nothing. I did not agree. Your eyes agreed. Reynolds is pretty furious at Brimsley at this point and he's putting on his clothes on in a bit of a rush. But on Sam's coverage, I couldn't get my clothes on because there's a lot of buttons, you know, it's 1763 or whatever. Um, and I didn't manage to do it, but I wanted to carry on with the momentum of the scene. So I sort of ended up doing the scene naked <laughs> because I couldn't get my clothes on. And Sam had to respond to me. Yeah, the camera is right at me and there's a whole bunch of crew behind Freddie and Freddie has to go right round the back of the, of, of the room to then get out of the room and I have to track him with my eye line. But all I'm seeing is this man holding all of his clothes, trying to get around the room <laughs> instead of like being here with me. And I, I, was, I struggled to, to hold it together. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't use that take in the end. That would have been very dangerous. <laughs> I'd have looked ridiculous. Not as ridiculous as me if the camera was the other way around. Right. That's true. <laughs> I was telling Tom Berica that that set, there's so much detail. I remember Grimsley's room and how... I mean, he's a very meticulous young man. He knows his job inside out. Everything's very precise. Everything was very perfect when I stepped into his room for the first time. But just walking onto the more elaborate sets, you know, the corridors that go around the palace and the, yeah. uh, one, the, the, the queen's bedroom, the king's bedroom, these elaborate sets that they've, you know, they've created. I mean, it is, is like stepping into the grounds of Buckingham Palace, I imagine. The attention to detail was extraordinary. I find it quite overwhelming. And stepping into the, the likes of Blenheim Palace is extraordinary as it is, but into something that has been created by, um, you know, the set directors and, and everyone else, it has a very different meaning to it, I suppose. Yeah, that was amazing, actually, because I'd just come from drama school and lots mm -hmm. of the plays that you're doing are actually, they're quite limited in terms of props. And walking into Reynolds's bedroom, I just thought, this is so intricate and detailed. There's a man's life in this room. Yeah. Hurry up and get your tea. Come right back. 
There's more from behind the scenes of Queen Charlotte of Bridgerton story with Sam Clement and Freddie Dennis right after this. Thanks for staying with us. Now back to our talk with actors Sam Clement and Freddie Dennis. I was wondering if you all could speak to the attentiveness of of like Coral Brimsley and Reynolds to the King, to Lady Danbury, young Charlotte. There are particular scenes that I'm thinking of. Like, um, for example, Sam, there's the scene where you are just five steps behind, five paces behind. <laughs> yeah. You're five paces behind and you've got your hand out at young Charlotte's back, but you're not touching her. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could unpack that moment a little bit. This moment for all of us, it basically solidifies who Brimsley is to the Queen. And I will. You shall not tell me what I'm allowed to do. Your Majesty, I am the one person who will never tell you what you are allowed to do. I will, however, always tell you how best to do the things you are not allowed to do. The two of them have sort of been trying to find the rhythm of one another, and he's been trying to guide her through this new role and what it means to be to be queen. And she's obviously had a lot to deal with, um, and that becomes more and more intense for her as the series progresses within Bridgerton. You know, he doesn't have to say very much, but he is always present. His duty is to serve her first and foremost throughout his life and... In that moment, he wants to be very, very human towards her and support her and hold her and give her a shoulder to cry on, but he's not hes not allowed to do that. And so Shonda Rhimes and, and Tom Verica, you know, they created this sort of very beautiful tableau of a simple gesture, which would basically be him putting his, his hand on her shoulder. And it's like, everything's going to be okay. I am here for you, come what may. And I think that moment is the foundation of who they are and what they then become in the Bridgerton verse. And Freddie, similarly, Reynolds has a moment where he busts through and is like, get off of the king. I am the king's man. I will see the king. You well know. You are not allowed. I am the king's man. I will see the king. Go back to your quarters. And I'm like, oh, wait, have they grown up together? You know, um, how long have they known each other? And talk about Reynolds's care for the king and how you process that and how you prepared for that. I think they absolutely have known each other since childhood. And actually, Corey and I just discussed that quite a lot because there is a there's a sort of unspoken love that exists between uh, King George and Reynolds throughout the series that that manifests in increasingly dramatic ways. One of the main things about uh, Reynolds's role is he there's a great duty to the king to look after the king, but first and foremost, they're friends. So the way that I connected to that was just by considering some of my best friends in the world, and considering what it would feel like to see them struggling in that way because George is a deeply deeply vulnerable man as as we can all see and Reynolds I'm gonna say his best friend just wants him to be okay and he wants to take away that pain for him. Freddie your encounter with the lines you give to the young King George where you tell him that Princess Augusta has left and he collapses and he sends you to call for the doctor and yeah. you also tell the young King George, don't worry, no one will know that you're going to decompensate. So do you remember that scene? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, that's always an interesting scene to me because uh, I remember after we shot that scene, Tom Verica went, oh, that won't get in. Uh, which was sad because Corey and I, when we got it, we went, oh, wow, this is a 
This is our sort of first interaction uh, as George and Reynolds. There's almost that unspoken bond between the two of them. And that's a powerful scene because it's the first time I think you see a hint of Reynolds's care for George, but also the cracks very much start appearing for George and you go, okay, this is quite a serious problem we have on our hands here. And that was amazing to, to shoot and we shot that quite early on. And I think it sort of laid the foundation for a lot of mine and Corey's work. Any moments from the two of you working together, especially if you can remember anything from episode two, any stories? We definitely have some stories. <laughs> yeah, we have we have many stories. So we, we were staying in an Airbnb, the four of us, um, and me and me and Freddie took a, a bit of a, a bit of a walk in the countryside and ended up in a field we clearly weren't meant to be in. And we walked down to this little lake and it wasn't really going anywhere. So we walked back and then turned back behind us and realized there was a few cows and so instead of instead of dealing with the situation calmly we decided to run and then realized there was a lot more cows behind us and then got trapped in this sort of little center section and sent pictures to our castmates and to the crew and everyone found it hilarious and we were stuck we were stuck there for about 45 minutes waiting for them to get bored so we could leave this area um and and not get trampled by um, by cows <laughs> i grew up in the midwest that's hilarious there were about 50 of them it was it was terrifying and we were, we were considering <laughs> what what to do we were going do we do we call the police <laughs> what do we say uh, and the cows, <laughs> but the cows never got bored right so we eventually had to hide in the in the shrubbery waiting for them to go and thinking, yeah. this is so embarrassing. Oh, boy. But they were pretty fast, actually. They were fast. A lot faster than us. <laughs> but everyone on set thought it was hilarious. They had they had, they had, had no sympathy for us whatsoever, and it became the talk of the set that day. And we came on, and it was like, we could have we died. But no, no. <laughs> no, no. Scenes from episode two, the ones in Blenheim that were uh, pretty fun to shoot, the ones in the hats. And I love that because I love those hats. Mm. Um, but also that again, they were yes. they were interesting establishing scenes where you you become aware of the inherent competitiveness that exists in Rem, um, Remsley's <laughs> in Reynolds and Remsley's relationship. <laughs> Remsley, are you? Um, uh oh, are you, you starting that? I'm, if you, if I'm you, I'm you start that, 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 yeah. No, everyone, you can hashtag Remsley. <laughs> hashtag Remsley. I love it. It's better than Brimnolds. <laughs> Or it could be um, Brennolds, and it's a bit like like Brennolds oh. brothers. Oh, yeah, Brennolds okay. is better than I said. Brimnolds. Brennolds. What am I doing? I like Brennolds. Where did that come? Brimnolds. Bre yeah, Brimnolds. Nolds. Brimsley. I'm just gonna stop. We'll okay? we'll ask the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> the listeners will make their decision and right, realize right. that's a silly idea. They probably yeah. they will they will decide very quickly. I'm sure of it. Yeah. yeah, because this the scenes with the two of you are really, really remarkable. And you just really do deliver that layer of life that the entire series really does give us. You you allow us to really go um, into the story Thank further. You. Thank you. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. Thank you very much. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed watching it because uh, I think I, I found it very, very terrifying. But I do now like watching it, I, I assure you. I'm sure you're not alone. Tom Verica told me that actor Hugh Sachs, who plays present-day Brimsley, yeah. spent the day with you two to watch episode six, I guess, 
the dancing moment on top of the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell me a little more about working with Jack Murphy on that moment? Well, firstly, Hugh is amazing. We love Hugh. It was brilliant having him there as a as a friend, first and foremost, and as a colleague. The whole dancing preparation was one of my favorite things about the entire uh, show because it was unlike anything I, at least, had ever done before. I think it taps into Brimsley's and Reynolds's vulnerabilities in a way that actually a scene where they were speaking probably couldn't have done. And it almost feels like a moment of unadulterated joy that neither of them have had mm. up until this point in the series. Working with Jack was, was amazing. And I will be forever grateful to Jack for his patience because I <laughs> am not a mover. <laughs> um, but I, I do think I, I can now just about do it. Uh, but actually, one of my favorite things about watching that scene is there is a moment where there is a definite mistake on behalf of me, Completely. I think, or maybe maybe both of us. And we both slightly... I think it was both. Uh, <laughs> we both giggle, and it made it in, because I think... And that's lovely, because it just shows how much fun we were having as actors. But also, I think that's very true to what the moment would have been for Brimsley and Reynolds, mm. where they go, hey, we've done it, you and me, you and me. And the idea that they get to like steal five minutes, 10 minutes together, because it's never more than that. And, you know, they get this opportunity to have a, a, a very intimate moment away from everybody else. And it's, it's exactly what Freddie just said. It's that it's, it's, it's them feeling complete and utter joy and entirely themselves and not having the weight of the rest of the world on their shoulders. They can just be present with each other because we shot that very late on in a night shoot it was the last mm. day at Blenheim Palace and we were so shooting late. at like quarter past three in the morning so late we were shooting at quarter past three in the morning we were wrapping at four and we had to do our scene and then we had to do Hugh's bit of the dance as well mm. and then they were like Freddie we want you to do a little bit of dancing with with Hugh um leading up to the take as well so we were all just sort of being thrown around dancing with each other so having time with Hugh and Jack and the two of us in rehearsals was invaluable because it meant that not only could Hugh and Freddie start to learn each other's bodies but I could also start to learn Hugh's body as well because part of the my way into the character was the physicality that he has and how he holds himself at the end of that shot after he has danced I know just speaks a thousand words as to who Reynolds is to Brimsley. It's heartbreaking. It is completely heartbreaking. It yeah. is. It. Everyone's going to wonder what happened. <laughs> what happened? He's on holiday. He's on. <laughs> <laughs> He's on a very, very long holiday. <laughs> Where's he gone? He's on a beach somewhere. He's on a beach. Okay, great. I think the Maldives, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the capital of the Maldives? <laughs> Malay or Mahe? <laughs> Freddie, what was your leap from geography to this world? I have always wanted to be an actor, but I I will put it down to a lack of self-confidence. I didn't allow myself to start performing until I was 23 years old because the thought of it, ter- it well, excited me, but it also completely terrified me. So I, you know, I told myself, oh, next year I'll do it, next year I'll do it. When I go to uni, I'll do it. And then I left uni with a degree in geography. Um, and went, oh my goodness, I've, I've never acted. How have I not done this? And I just went, Fred, you have to, you have to take the plunge. It's now or never. And I just knew I would love it. So I went to drama school and then four months later, I'm Reynolds. So, but it was a pretty terrifying leap. And who knows, maybe I will end up as a geography teacher one day. We'll see. 
I mean, it can happen. Maybe your next role is a geography teacher in uh, in a blockbuster movie. I think that's what everyone wants to see. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to see. <laughs> Stick around. There's more with Sam Clement and Freddie Dennis. They're going to be sharing tales from their auditions right after this. Before we jump back into our discussion, take a listen to what Kelly Valentine Hendry had to say about casting with these two actors. What was really great at the read-through, because we didn't get a chance to chemistry them, was when we had lovely um, Freddie Dennis and Sam Clements. So when he and Sam at the read-through, we realized, oh my goodness, there is super proper sparky chemistry there. That was really glorious to walk away and say, we've absolutely got that right. That was Kelly Valentine Hendry, casting director of Queen Charlotte, A Bridgerton Story. Wasn't that interesting? I mean, you would have never guessed, right? Well, we've got more from Sam and Freddie on their auditions and memories from the early days of the project. Early, early days of joining the project. Let's get back into our conversation. Sam, were there any full circle moments for you? You know, um, Queen Charlotte... A Bridgerton story has a ton of flash forwards um, in the way Shondaland knows how to do a good flash forward. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you had any moments in your life or your career that kind of feel full circle um, related to this show. Totally. I've auditioned for the Bridgerton world, I think it's four or five times before getting this part. More than any like long running series, I auditioned in 2019 for one of the leading parts in Bridgerton and then off the back of that had read for like various guest parts here and there and then read for the initial tape for this was a scene from Bridgerton no one quite knew what they were reading for and then eventually the audition for Brimsley came around I was like oh my god here we go this is the fifth time now I just went like you know what what will be will be I, I know the world. I'm not going to put all of my energy into this basket and trying to make this work. And did a very relaxed tape and lo and behold, got the job. So uh, <laughs> that became a very full circle moment for me in my career and th- with this particular job as well. It was it was four years in the making. Wow. Relaxation is the key. Relaxation is the key, but also, I, I don't know if I've told anyone this, I was offered a smaller part in series two of, of Bridgerton, and it would come off the back of the pandemic and work was pretty sparse for everyone. And kudos to my agent as well for doing some very good agenting here. He went, so they've offered you this, it's like three lines, and that would be great, obviously, but they love you a lot for this world, and I think it's worth just holding off to see if something else comes down the line. And if I'd have taken that role, I would never have been able to read and do Brimsley. Oh, okay. Well, thank goodness, because I don't think I'm alone when I'm like, oh, of course that's young Brimsley. Like, <laughs> we spoke with Kelly Valentine Hendry, and and just so you know, she was like, oh yeah, within the first three minutes, we knew who was who was going to be whichever role they played. So, oh, so I'm so happy. Tell me about your first encounter with, the actual first scenes that we see you in. I think that's the five steps behind on the steps, right, Sam? On the, yeah, on the staircase. Just really funny, those that exchange <laughs> between you 
and yeah, Charlotte. It, it is really funny. <laughs> I first encountered that scene in the audition. That was the audition scene. Same for me. Oh, because that's what you used as well, of course. Yeah. We were well into into the, the the end of block one. So we'd been shooting for like six or seven weeks and I'd sat with this dialogue for so long and I felt like mm. I knew the ins and outs of it so much that when it got round to it, and India was felt the same, we then suddenly got so incredibly nervous, even though we knew that scene like like the back of our hand. And then I just put all of this pressure on myself. Like, I think this might be a bit stale and it needs to be snappy. It needs to be funny. It's the first time we meet him. So when it came to doing it, it took me a while for me to loosen up on that one. Your delivery is so good. So is India's. It's almost flippant. Like, is is Brimsley being a little smart? You know what? You know, <laughs> it was really, really funny. <laughs> he's just like, he's just like, just do your job. Just do your job. Just don't mess up. Just don't mess up. And she's making this very, very hard. Just don't mess up. And then when she starts talking about the king, he's like, well, that's a can of worms I don't want to open. He's the king. He's this. He's that. Please stop talking to me. Yeah, I think it's the moment you say, those are facts, your man. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is this is going to be an interesting relationship. <laughs> yeah. So, Freddie, a lot of first experiences for you on this project. Do you have any favorite firsts? Or do you have any favorite scenes? Well, I love the scene where I'm riding the horse. That's uh, that was a good one. <laughs> um, tell, me about, tell me about shooting that scene. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It was it was completely terrifying. I was there. Um, I had to I had to come down and watch it. I couldn't not be present for it. I think everyone came and watched it. <laughs> they prepped me for it for for months, um, which is funny because it was only a sort of ten second scene. But obviously, I'm not wearing a helmet. Uh, but I was absolutely terrified. I was on this lovely horse. They kept saying he was lovely, called Mufasa, and they went, "Mufasa is definitely not scared of drones." And I went, well, I'm a, I'm a bit scared of drones, but, <laughs> you know. Um, but every time this drone went up in the air, Mufasa would freak out and kind of start moving loads like that. Um, listeners, I'm moving quite a lot. And uh, <laughs> I'd have to kick him twice to tell him to go, and he would just take off. And I was also aware, because people found it slightly ridiculous that I was on a horse, I, Freddie, was on a horse, uh, everyone was watching. So I had to try and play it as cool as I could. Oh, boy, was I sweating. <laughs> You smashed it, though. It went very well. Yeah, it did. I'm glad I wasn't wearing a heart rate thing. Oh. Sam, I don't remember if you had any scenes like that where you were no. either on horseback or dealing with other animals. Oh, you had the Pomeranian all oh. the time. <laughs> oh, wait, I have the, the Pomeranian pom-pom. Yes. Yeah. How was that? And also with your costumes. How did you manage that? I mean, it was, she was sort of extraordinary. I think she was like, oh, I think she was about 15 weeks old when we started because they needed a puppy. Oh. Um, and I was like, oh God, this is going to be hard work. But she was the best behaved puppy I think I've ever met in my life. She would occasionally fall asleep while I was acting, which I think is, you know, an, quite, quite an aggressive reaction towards my performance. Um, <laughs> and, therefore, and, therefore, and therefore stole my scenes. <laughs> So is there anything else that you'd like to to say about your challenges on set or challenges with the material or anything that you overcame throughout the process? For me, sometimes scenes can get changed, you know, and adapted last minute to suit the story as best as they can. So I like to sit with 
dialogue for at least three or four days before doing a scene. And occasionally things might get changed last minute because there's a better version of this of, of a particular scene. Um, and yeah. learning dialogue quite quickly, um, I find quite hard sometimes because um, I like to feel very relaxed with the scenes and with the dialogue. And I think for, for something for me that I'm trying to get better at is being able to turn over dialogue very, very quickly. What about you, Fred? Uh, I think for me, I learned an awful lot about the importance of remaining confident and believing in yourself. And there's a particular moment on set that happened very, very early on, actually in one of those scenes at Blenheim in uh, episode two, when, Sam, you'll remember it, because I was very in my head and I felt like I was doing a terrible job. Um, and we, event we, we eventually got the shot, I'd struggled a bit, uh, and Tom came up to me and he went, it really gently, in a, in a lovely way, he went, Freddie, just remember that this is really, really fun. And I went, yeah, you're you're so right. I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do the perfect job, and that's that's putting me in my head and, and inhibiting me from doing my best work. So from that day, I went and wrote about it in, in my little diary. Uh, and from that day forth, every day I would try and remind myself, yes, this is intimidating. Yes, I feel like I could be doing better, but it's A, a journey, and B, it's an incredibly fun journey. That's so good. That's so good. I haven't properly learned it yet. I mean, it's, I'm still on that journey. But, <laughs> right. Easier said than done, right? Yeah, easier That's said. so great. Yeah, if anyone's yeah. got any tips, please let me know. Uh, and use the hashtag Brennells. Uh, Bremsley. Brennells. Remsley. Oh. What a Bremsley. <laughs> Bremsley. Not Bremsley. Even, there's, no, there's no Reynolds in Bremsley. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. In the initial audition that we both both did, Brimsley wasn't called Brimsley; he was called Bosley. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Bosley. Oh, you said Bosley. Well, Bosley, Bosley. I mean, well, I clearly got Reynolds because I said Bosley. <laughs> <laughs> you were basically talking down to me already, and you didn't realise yeah, what exactly. part you were auditioning yeah. for. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I think you were saying that because the other audition scene was the one in the in the chapel when I've, I've lost the queen on 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 the day of of their of their wedding, and I come in and go we've got a problem, the bride's missing. And you go, what have you done now, Brimsley? And it's so condescending. And I, you were like, I think that's what's got me the parts. Yeah, I love that as well. Yes. Did you have any other last thoughts before we wrap up? I genuinely think everyone is utterly brilliant in this show and I can't wait for everyone to see the cast's extraordinary work. Absolutely. Yes, you both were brilliant on screen. I hope people enjoy watching it as much as we enjoyed making it because it yeah i don't know about for you sam but for me it was possibly the best thing i have ever done yeah totally i loved it sam clement freddie dennis thank you so much for your time today thank you thank you very much i'm imagining applause effects here right now because these two actors recognized the space shonda rhymes carved out for their characters and they dug in they came off the page in a way Brimsley and Reynolds come off the wall. Okay, st stay with me. The way they come off the wall as servants and step outside of their roles to care for Charlotte and George as friends. And you heard them. That's how they thought of their characters, too. I mean, could you imagine Charlotte's story without Brimsley? Think about it. If these walls could talk, that's, that's what I think of when I think of Brimsley and Reynolds, if these walls could talk. And that's also what I loved about Coral. 
Pevan Sedegian was brilliant as Coral. That familiar homegirl bestie vibe, you know? Shonda Rhimes wrote a voice that lit up a part of young Agatha's life that could have been really lonely. And she tapped into Charlotte and the King in the same way through Brimsley and Reynolds. Shonda's way of crafting the dance of relationships is, is, is amazing. Speaking of dance, on our next episode, choreographer Jack Murphy joins us. Many years ago, when the Queen Mother died, my mother and I, we went to see her lying in state. And seeing the four guards standing, protecting, that's where I drew the parallel from. Those four couples, either side of Charlotte and George. So they're not just dancing, but they're protecting the jewel of the crown. And another special treat. Executive producer Betsy Beers will also visit us on the next episode. You definitely don't want to miss. Queen Charlotte, the official podcast, is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Lauren Homan, Alex Alche, Tyler Klang, and me, Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Tari Harrison. Subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your favorite shows. Get the book. I'm a crispy turn the page, smell the binding kind of queen, but you can download it. And you can find Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story on Netflix. We'll see you next week. Queen Charlotte, the official podcast is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.